right, this is Gary Parrish from CBS Sports. It's now Friday, January 8th, 2016. This is the Eye on College Basketball Podcast. I'm joined by Matt Norlander and Sam Bassini, and we got a lot to get to heading into this weekend. Syracuse actually trying to avoid starting 0-4 in league play for the first time since 1997. Going to have to beat North Carolina to do that. We'll talk about it later on. Butler trying to avoid starting 1-3 in league play. Got to beat Villanova to do that. We're going to talk about that as well. We'll get into the... Utah-BYU controversy. LSU is at Florida this weekend. I'll ask Norlander if he's thinking about maybe letting Johnny Jones Tigers out of the CBI. We will talk about all of this and more, including last night's game between Arizona and UCLA. But I wanted to start with the situation, if you don't mind, um, out at San Diego State. And not necessarily to go through everything again, because we've been through a lot of it before. But just to set the record straight on some things, because... Um, frankly, there, there's some bad information uh, circulating. For those who might be unfamiliar, San Diego State announced earlier this week that the NCAA has informed it that it has, and these are SDSU's words, uh, not mine, um, that it has uh, closed its case against the school because the allegations of rules violations the NCAA was investigating are allegations that the NCAA uh, could not substantiate. This is worth noting because back in September, uh, I reported uh, that the NCAA was indeed investigating allegations of rules violations within the program. Now, I, I will get back to that in just a second, but let me say a couple of things first. One, uh, San Diego State coach Steve Fisher said earlier this week uh, publicly that he was, quote, disappointed that somebody would write this story without contacting him first. He didn't uh, mention me by name, but like, I'm the guy who wrote the story back in September, so I'm just going to assume, I think, uh, assume reasonably so that he was talking about me. And um, uh, it is true that I never talked to Steve Fisher before I wrote this story, Um, but I did contact San Diego State before I wrote a word of this story. I uh, made a phone call to the uh, sports information director at San Diego State. I told him exactly what I was planning to report. Um, I clearly had caught him off guard. I've made these phone calls enough uh, throughout my career to know when you're catching somebody by surprise and maybe at a bad time, and I recognize that. I said, hey, listen, if you need to call me back, you can call me back. If you want to have uh, coach call me back, you want to have athletic director call me back, um, however you want to handle this, but I felt obligated to call you and at least ask for a comment on behalf of the school in some form. He said he would get back to me. Um, I never heard back from him. I subsequently sent an email, a follow-up email to say, hey, um, I, I know I, I might have caught you off guard, but I, if, it's, if, if you feel more comfortable uh, communicating with me through email, like if you want to release a statement through email, uh, this is my uh, email address that goes straight to my phone. I can get this immediately whenever you send it. Um, or, or, of course, you can call me back like I said before. Never heard back. Still to this day, January 8, 2016, I've never heard back from anybody connected to San Diego State by phone or by email. Um, So it is true that I have never talked to anybody from San Diego State about this, but uh, that has more to do with San Diego State than it has to do with me. Um, I I called, I emailed, um, I never heard back from from anybody. Now, I promise we'll move on to other things in just a moment, but I want to make one thing clear because it appears a, a, a good bit of passionate San Diego State fans with Uh, Twitter accounts are confused about something because they keep tweeting um, me the same things over and over again. And uh, among the questions I get are, when are you going to apologize? When are you going to admit you were wrong? And uh, simply put, I would just say this. Uh, The story I wrote, the words I actually wrote, 
they weren't wrong words. The story wasn't wrong. What I wrote, if you go back and read the story, and God bless, by the way, the one San Diego's, I don't think it's just one, but like there's one that I've noticed who actually tweeted and was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a San Diego State fan, but I'm having trouble figuring out exactly what you wrote that was wrong. And like, really, like I, I hold you in high regard, San Diego State fan, whoever you are. Um, what I wrote is that the NCAA was actively investigating allegations of rules violations within San Diego State's program. Um, San Diego State and the NCAA have both admitted as much. The NCAA announced it has closed its case on San Diego State. You cannot close a case unless the case is open. So there was an open case, an NCAA case related to San Diego State. That's what I wrote. And if you go read the story, I never wrote that San Diego State did anything wrong. That's not what I wrote. Here's what I wrote, that there were allegations of wrongdoing and that the allegations were deemed credible enough by the NCAA that the NCAA spent time and money looking into them. That is literally all I reported. I'm not the one who made the allegations. I'm not the one who investigated the allegations. I'm just the one who told you there were allegations that were being investigated, and that was 100% true. Andy Katz on video at ESPN.com has said the words that the NCAA was investigating San Diego State. Jeff Goodman has written the words at ESPN.com that the NCAA was investigating San Diego State. Simply put, the NCAA was investigating San Diego State. And, and that is what I wrote. And if you want a comparison, I was actually thinking about this earlier in the week. Um, how different is this than the Skull Abyssier case? And I'll ask you guys, Norlander, Sam, if only because I, I don't want to keep hearing my voice all alone for the next five minutes. But um, we at CBSSports.com, Yahoo Sports, ESPN, Basically, every media outlet in Kentucky reported time and time again that the NCAA was investigating Scalabissier's uh, guardian, that, um, that, that the NCAA was asking questions, that the NCAA was looking into allegations of possible wrongdoing, so on and so forth. Now, we all know that nothing came of that. The investigation led nowhere. In, 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 uh, I guess in, in these terms, the NCAA's uh, investigation into Gerald Hamilton led to nothing. The allegations could not be substantiated. And so Scal played from game one for Kentucky, and, and he never missed a minute. And so were the reports wrong? What ESPN reported, what we reported, what Yahoo reported, what the Kentucky newspaper reported, that the NCAA was investigating um, the relationship of Gerald Hamilton and Scal Labissiere and investigating allegations of of, of possible rules violations? No, the reports were all right, even if nothing ever came of it. And I really think that's about an apples-to-apples apples comparison to what happened here at San Diego State. Uh, the report was at Kentucky that the NCAA was investigating Gerald Hamilton in his relationship and how he handled Scalabissier's recruitment. The report at San Diego State was that the NCAA was investigating allegations of rules violations within the program. Both of those situations led to nothing because the allegations could not be substantiated. But it doesn't mean the initial reports were wrong, and that's why this has all been kind of uh, confusing to me. And I bring this up to you guys, um, because I know your Twitter handles have been tied up in it at some point. I think basically everybody connected to me in some sort has been tied up into this at some point. Is there anything I'm missing? If you were a San Diego State fan, what would you ask me? Well, how do you respond to... Uh, assumptions that uh, your sources in the case were tied to rival schools, sure. and therefore those people would have the biggest access to grind and would have the biggest advantages. Obviously, given San Diego State's standing in the yeah. league, uh, it's it's you know it's been the number one program in that league uh, 
exponentially, especially over the past half decade. Yeah, here's what I would say. If I were a San Diego State fan, that's a, that's what I would assume. I would assume that Gary Parish's sources are from, I don't even know who their rivals are, really, but the ones that keep getting hit with me, like the tweets I keep reading, are like, um, you got used by the UCLA staff, or you got used by the Gonzaga staff, or you got used by the, uh, I don't know, Arizona staff, or UNLV staff, or whatever. Um, I, that, that's a perfect, reasonable thing to think. Here's what I would tell you. I, I would never reveal my sources as no respectable uh, journalist would, but I can promise you hand to heart on my child's lives, my sources were not from a rival staff. I, before I wrote a word of that, I had not had any contact like about this particular story with a single rival staff. Now, I'll be honest, I heard from rival staffs afterward, if only because they were trying to figure, hey, what's going on? Like, what is this exactly? And I didn't tell them anything more than, than what I reported. But the idea that my sources on this story were, uh, were sources from a rival staff, it, it's just untrue. And frankly, even if they were, like if it were a coach at a rival school, an assistant at a rival school who uh, reached out to me and, or just in the context of another conversation said, hey, you know, you know, um, you know, the NCAA is, is looking into some stuff at San Diego State because that isn't uncommon. Like I have heard those types of things, not about San Diego State, but about other schools from from other rival coaches. That is the type of information. I'm just uh, I don't know if I'm giving a journalism lesson here, but um, that's the type of information you store in your back pocket and then you take it other places. Nobody. I, mean, I don't want to say nobody because I can't speak for all journalists, but no, no good journalist would ever just simply take take. Um, uh, some story from a rival staff and use it against that school without, at the very least, um, confirming it elsewhere, right? Um, I've done that before. I've taken information from rival staffs, and th but then I take it, I don't take it to print, I take it other places. And I say, hey, I'm hearing this. I heard this. Can you confirm? Is this true? Am I on the right track? Do I need to keep looking? Am I wasting my time? You take that information, you go try to confirm it somewhere else. So let's say... I did initially get this information from a rival staff. What I would have done is then take it to other independent sources and try to confirm it. But the truth is, um, and I'm just being honest with you here, uh, rival staff had absolutely zero to do with this. It just didn't happen. Yeah, the, the UCLA one's weird to me, too. They're mad about, like, TJ Leaf going to UCLA over San Diego State. Uh, TJ Leaf was never going to San Diego State over UCLA. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't Let even know. Say yeah, that. <laughs> I, I don't even know that because I, you know, I know a bunch of fans have said this, and Steve Fisher has also <laughs> said. Uh, I don't think Steve said it absolutely cost us a recruit, but he um, has suggested it might have, and it, and it might have. I, I really don't know. I remember going on a radio station in San Diego. I think the day I wrote this story, and they asked me. I don't know if they asked me as much as they said, you know, San Diego State's got this recruit coming in. And I, I really had no idea San Diego State had a recruit coming in. Like, I just, mm -hmm. I, 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 maybe that speaks poorly of me, but I don't follow San Diego State recruiting um, that Yeah, that, that yeah I mean, here's the other thing worth noting. Like, TJ Leaf went and visited Louisville, like, while the allegations were going on at Louisville, right. which were much more serious than San Diego State allegations. Right. And I'm pretty sure that Jeff Greer wrote at the time that, like, they didn't really bother him. Right. And so like, so I, yeah, that, that one was kind of funny to me. Yeah. I've, I've heard that a lot. <laughs> and I, I guess I would say this, um, one, I didn't even know San Diego. I, I mean, I'm very aware it's the middle of the recruiting period. I didn't know how that related to San Diego state. I just don't, I, 
Um, but Doug Gottlieb asked me about the timing the other day on, on television. We were talking about this on TV the other night. Uh, I guess it was Wednesday night. Timing of the story coming out? Yeah, the timing of the story, right? Which um, I guess yeah. if, I, like, if I'm a San Diego State fan, and I'm, I'm just trying to be reasonable with you here. Uh, if I'm a San Diego State fan and I assume the sources must be from a rival staff, I would also question the timing. It's a rival staff during recruiting period. Oh, wow. I see what's going on here. Like, I get that. That is a, comp- uh, a perfectly reasonable, um, you know, it, it's perfectly reasonable to connect those dots. Uh, I've already said that the, the information just didn't come from a rival staff. It's just not true. But beyond that, um, I would say this. Uh, I would never have concerned myself with the timing anyway. Like, I don't know any good journalist who would ever um, concern himself or herself with with the calendar, um, that that or that a calendar or the timing would would make you delay a well sourced and ready to report story. Like I'm not trying to tell you that the timing wasn't less than ideal for San Diego State. I'm just telling you that that um, that that's never anything a good journalist would concern him or herself with. The timing is unfortunate, I guess, but the timing isn't wrong. For instance. If I had a story, like I'm a football writer, and I had a story right now that was well sourced, well reported, and most important, because again, I don't, uh, let me, I, I just wanted to, accurate, which is what the story I wrote in September was, accurate, um, that concerning Dabo Sweeney and Clemson. And it was controver- It was going to be like, whoa, and it could it could affect them in some way, whether it was in preparation for the national championship game or recruiting or whatever. There is no scenario under which I or any other um, reporter, a good one, I don't think, would sit and go, you know, but if I write this today, it's really going to blow up and they've got a national championship game on Monday and... You know, I, is that going to be a distraction for them? Maybe I should hold. Like, if you even start thinking in those terms, you're like you're you're already doing something wrong. And so, I get that the timing might have been unfortunate for San Diego State. Like, I get that. Um, I, I don't know that it cost them anything, but I understand how it might could have. All I'm telling you is that the, that like it really of all the things that entered my mind before I filed the story with our editors. That is not one of them. Like, what do I have this well sourced? Did I write it correctly? Is it true? Did I give San Diego State an opportunity to respond? Those are the things that I concerned myself with before I filed the story. That they might have a recruit coming in this weekend. It just it, a it never entered my mind. B uh, if it would have entered my mind, I would have said, okay, why is that in my mind? That doesn't matter to me at all. I'm just you report stories when you get them. That's when I reported that story when I got it. All yeah. Right, and, so, and even if you want to say like, you know, you don't even think about that aspect of it. Who's to say that the recruit doesn't deserve to know that information before he goes into a visit like that. Yeah, no, that's fair too. Like that's it. That, but like, I, I guess I would just go back to my larger point, which is I, I don't, you don't say, think about it. Right. I don't, I don't want to say I don't think about it. I'm telling you in this case, I didn't think about it, but like, I, I, I think, I guess you should think about everything, but like that would not move me off something. For instance, if I were talking to you guys about this story the morning of, and I'd say, hey, listen, here's what I got. I just want to give you guys a heads up. I don't think I actually did that. I might have. I don't remember. Uh, but hey, I want to give you guys a heads up. Um, I've got this story, San Diego State, NCAA investigating allegations, rules violations. Who knows where it's going to go, but they are actively investigating allegations that they deem credible enough to investigate. 
Um, and and Sam, you spoke up and said, "Hey, listen, uh, like, do you think like you know they got a five star recruit coming in this weekend? <laughs> do you think that's gonna like?" I'd say what, like, sure. why does why does that matter to me? Like, I'm a, I am a reporter. I'm here to report stories when I get them. This is when I got this. Are you suggesting I should hold it till like after signing day? Like, what does that even mean? Like, right. how how is that for me? How does that matter? I, I I get how it might matter to San Diego State, but from my perspective, and let me be clear, from any journalist perspective, that should not it shouldn't matter. Yeah, right. Uh, Matt, the only lingering question. We can move on. I have one more question for sure. Push. And we can move on. Um, when you wrote the story, did you presume, and this is only in, in your own mind, not uh-huh. uh, not in print and whatnot, but you know, when you get all this information uh, from your sources, did you think that it was logical that the next step would be a formal investigation, and that was part of your impetus in writing the story because it seemed like this, you know, it wouldn't get to this point where the NCAA said, "No, nope, it, it kind of dissolved. We don't have." Uh, enough to substantiate. Did you think it was going to become a bigger story instead of dying on the vine? Did I think it would be a bigger story? Yes. Did I think it would? Yes. Now, let me be clear. I always assume that it might not be because these things are hard to prove. And I I have never, ever, ever uh, had anybody from the NCAA tell me this. But, you know, my story caught San Diego State off guard. And that's because the NCAA was kind of working in the dark at this point. And I, 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 I think it's reasonable to believe that my story turned the lights on and if they're, you know, that, that it made the NCAA's job a little harder, you know, from that point forward. I, I don't think the, I don't think the NCAA was happy with my story because um, it's easier to investigate um, sort of in the dark than it is to investigate once the people you're investigating know what you might be looking for. And so I recognized as soon as I wrote it that, yeah, this might not go anywhere because these things are hard to prove. I can't tell you how many stories I've investigated over the year myself and you just hit a wall. Like there was a story of like several years back and this one I thought was like gold. I I was like, man, this is going to be really good. Like the type of story you can get somebody fired over. And um, I, I traveled for it to investigate it. And I spent a couple of days in this certain place looking into things. And I just got there and it just, I hit a wall. It just it wasn't going to happen. Like, it's just, it's all here, but it ain't going to, And I, you know, like I thought so much that one was going somewhere that I like, I traveled to go look into this thing. And um, I, I guess my point being this stuff is as somebody who has broken massive stories that have put programs on probation and men in jail. And as someone who's, you know, spent, weeks if not months looking into things and then just have it die it's just not gonna you can't get there sometimes i don't want to i don't want to make it sound like i'm implying they just couldn't get there perhaps there was nothing there but like sometimes you can't get the story because there's nothing there sometimes you can't get the story just because you can't get the story um i've been on both ends of that so it'd be silly to assume that uh one thing or the other um i i i so i guess i'd say this i i thought there was a chance that it could lead to like I bet not, not, not what I thought I was told like, yeah, if this turns into what it might, what, if the NCAA is able to find what, you know, what they might be able to find, then it could turn into something serious like that. On one hand, I was told that from sources. On the other hand, you just sort of know from doing this, as long as I've done it, it might go nowhere. Right. So here we are. This one went nowhere, but I would have reported it either way. Uh, the same way we reported on Scalabissier, either way, as I reported on that over and over again, and and not, not just me, ESPN, Yahoo, 
every newspaper in Kentucky were reporting that NCAA is investigating Scal Abyssier's guardian. Everybody's reporting on that. I'd be on radio stations uh, somewhat all over the country, but certainly in Kentucky. And they would say, where do you think this is going? And I say, I, I don't know. Like, it's hard to prove this. St- I do, do, you know, it's possible Gerald Hamilton was completely on the up and up. But the NCAA is, has, I mean, you can chuckle, it's fine. But um, it's possible he was completely on the up and up. But the NCAA um, has deemed some things credible enough to where they're actively investigating this. They may find stuff, at which point we'll deal with that then. They may find nothing or at least not be able to substantiate anything. And then it'll all be about nothing. But either way, all I'm trying to tell you is that this is happening right now. Uh, this is this is happening right. This is being investigated right now, and that's all I that's all I reported about San Diego State. All and I, 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 here's another question I've been asked, and and, and so I'll I'll go ahead and answer it. And then unless there's something else, we can move on. Somebody has said, not somebody, Steve Fisher, in a press conference earlier this week, he said it's not uncommon, and maybe in, in his release statement, it's not uncommon for the NCAA to to look into allegations of rules violations. What is uncommon is for them to be made public so early on. And I agree with that. It is in, in the sense that it is uncommon, but it's not uncommon because there's some rule against reporting it or some unwritten rule. Like, you know, you don't report when the NCAA starts to investigate, you wait for there to be a letter of inquiry. They, they, no, the reason it's uncommon is because most times people don't find out that early on. That, that, that's why it's uncommon. You know, like, how about this? Scalabissier was written about a lot. I think Caleb Swanigan was written about a lot in terms of freshmen who were trying to gain initial eligibility. Anybody else this year that you guys? Um, Once upon a time, Josh Selby was written about a lot. Um, yeah. Once upon a time, Angela Russell was last year. Okay, right there. But let's just say if this year the 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 freshmen who Taco were trying. Fall. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. But Taco Fall, um, Scal. Uh, Caleb Swanigan, like the guys this year who were trying to gain initial, oh, uh, Diallo, right? The guys this year who were trying to gain initial eligibility, they were all written about, for, like exactly the way we wrote about, I wrote about San Diego State. I promise you, there were other freshmen out there who were going through similar stuff, whose names were never in the papers, whose names were never on the websites, whose names were never tied to this type of stuff. Amateurism, investigations, academic investigations, long drawn out stuff. But my point is, they weren't not written about because for for some sort of reason, like, uh, well, you know, you don't get, they, they were simply because people didn't know. We didn't know. I didn't know. Uh, if you know, you write about them. Same way you wrote about Scow, same way you wrote about Diallo. And so this is the same thing. Uh, I guess I would say this. If I had a similar story today about Oklahoma or uh, Kansas or uh Kentucky or Louisville or whatever else, you know, we, we'd write about that just the same. Oh, but speaking of Louisville, it isn't, I mean, how different is it? You know, like we wrote that there was allegations of rules violations against Louisville and that the NCAA was investigating. We haven't, who knows where that's going, right? But I mean, everybody wrote about it in the mm-hmm. country. It's a sto- When the NCAA is investigating rules violations within a program, if you know that's true and you can report it, I think it's worth reporting. And and again, that's that's all that uh, that's all that happened here. So uh, I, I listen. I, I'm smart enough to know, and, and been in this long enough to know. Like fans are, they see ghosts sometimes, um, and and they uh, assume that there's all these wild conspiracies. I feel a little bit like, did you guys watch the town hall meeting last night with President Obama? And he was being asked these questions, and and like he would talk for 15 minutes about. 
nobody's trying to take anybody's guns. Like, that's not what's in the proposal. It's not whatever. And then somebody would stand up and Anderson Cooper would be like, all right, um, next question. This is so-and-so. And the the person would say, just how am I supposed to feel comfortable you're not trying to take my guns? And he would just look at him and go, I'm just, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to repeat myself, but like, that's not what's happening here. You know, it's just not, I, I, I don't know where that's coming from. And then at one point they get into an interesting back and forth about, it's just these wild conspiracies, but they're not true. And I feel like that a little bit. Like, um, I know why you might think all these things, I guess, but it's just not true. The, the has, has this been the, uh, you've listened, you've had plenty of, of uh, investigative stories over the years. Yeah. Uh, biggest blowback from this one? Oh, no. God. No. no. Okay. The biggest. <laughs> I, I wasn't sure. You know, just no, the, the interesting thing about this one, it is genuinely. I just, I'm talking yeah. about from, I guess, a yeah. fan base. I guess, um, yeah. This is genuinely confined to just San Diego State fans. Like, if you notice, um, again, I can't, I, can't stress this, I can't stress this enough. Andy Katz was on video. Go look it up. ESPN. Talking about San Diego State was investigated by the NCAA. Jeff Goodman wrote the word. San Diego State was investigated by the NCAA. Other night, in uh, while LSU was playing Kentucky, on the scroll on ESPN, it said uh, San Diego State has announced that the NCAA has announced that it has closed its case against San Diego State. Uh, the school was being invest- was being investigated for allegations of rules violations. That was on the scroll on ESPN. That is literally all I ever reported. Like, go read the story. Please, like, the story's there. You can Google, Google it. The only thing I ever wrote is that the NCAA was investigating San Diego State for violations of rules allegations. So I guess my point is, this ain't something where Deadspin's called me out for shaky uh, reporting or uh, the big lead or uh, Richard Dice or, um, or, or, like, really, any other. I haven't seen a single. I'm not saying they don't exist. But I haven't seen, you know how writers are, reporters, they love to like bang on other people when they mess up. I haven't seen another writer or reporter question what I did. I haven't seen another college basketball fan. Qu- it's really confined just to like extreme San Diego, sta- San Diego State fans. And like, whatever, you can just mas- basically ignore that. The biggest blowback was my the Alabama story I did that sort of launched my career right. way back then. Like uh, for people Which who don't I figured, but yeah, yeah. well, it, it was a different era. Like there's no Twitter, there's no Facebook, and thank God for that. But like I reported that an, a Memphis uh, that a an Alabama booster living in Memphis bought the number one defensive lineman in the country for hundred fifty thousand dollars, and this story went on to get coaches at three different schools: Alabama, Kentucky, and Georgia fired. It got three schools on probation. It got federal indictments against three different men, um, like it um, felonies, um, and like I, I literally had to move out of my house. Like I had to move into a secure apartment building with security and passcodes and all that stuff. Um, had to put at the time I was living with uh, Corey Brandon, who's a, a musician now. We had to put everything in Corey's name: our phone, our apartment. Um, everything because we couldn't have anything in my name. My father, who is Gary Parish Senior, was getting death threats at home. People would find his number in the phone book, call him. Yeah. Um, I had somebody at the uh, when I was working at the paper come there and like um, threaten me, like like wanted to meet with me, and then threaten me to the point to where security had to get him out of there, like escort him out. Um, it, though, yeah, no, that that was like serious. That is like. I, while recognizing <laughs> sports like writers, first story that you ever broke on an investigative level, or at least that, like you know, of yeah, consequence. You're yeah, like, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, that and that confession. Now that that was one where, like, while recognizing sports writers don't get don't, don't get murdered, <laughs> like you really did wonder, like, is this going to be the end of my life? Because I don't know if you've heard, Alabama fans are kind of crazy. Like one of them, one of them murdered trees. Champs. 
They murdered trees on Auburn's campus. What do you think they were going to do to me? You know? <laughs> so, um, no, that was a whole different deal. And, uh, yeah, this is really just confined to, to extreme. Now, listen, I will. I give them credit to San Diego State fans. They're really, really passionate. And, uh, and I can appreciate that. But I, I, uh, I, hope, I hope all of this isn't, A, too long-winded, although I'm confident that it is. But, B, um, just help. You don't have to be Gary Parrish fans. Or uh, or whatever, but um, just get, offers a better understanding of of the story for what it actually was, and from my perspective. And now, uh, I hope the Aztecs turn their three game winning streak into a eighteen game winning streak and and enter the Mountain West Conference tournament as a top ten team in the country. Uh, go Aztecs! Right? Sure. Okay. So let's talk hoop. Let's talk hoop. And before we go forward, let's back up a little bit because UCLA got another win. Um, over a quality team last night. They'd beaten Kentucky earlier in the season. Now they got a victory over uh, Arizona to go with one over Gonzaga. The Gonzaga win, of course, I think, was that a road win? I think that was a road win, wasn't it? It was their only win mm-hmm. away from Holly Pavilion this right. year. All right. So does it say more about UCLA, Sam, or does it say more about um, uh, Arizona, which is, listen, they lost a, you know, they lost pros off last year's team. They lost uh, players to injury off this year's team. Um, where are we with Arizona? Uh, that's a that's a good question. If you ask Sean Miller, uh, I think he, he would say it says more about Arizona. He literally called his team terrible on defense <laughs> last night. Like, full stop. was like, our team is terrible on defense. And then went on to say it's the worst defense he's had since he's been at Arizona. Worst defense he's had since his first year at Xavier, going back that far. Um, it's, I looked up, it's the most points they allowed 87 since February 27th, 2013. Um, it's, it was hilarious watching Sean Miller, uh, kind of go, go a little bit about their defense. But, uh, I think it does say a decent amount about UCLA. I mean, this is a team that's just really good at home. Like they shot 50% from three, knocked down 11 of them. They had like 1.25 points per possession. Like they're really good offensively at home um it's just whether or not they can get it together on the road in my opinion let me me stop let me stop you there for a second because i was thinking about this the other day do we have we ever figured out definitively why teams are so different at home than on the road i know this isn't unique to college basketball but it is yeah but it it is it's exaggerated in college basketball correct um there i have uh, i have an idea on ucla but i'm gonna kind of wait to see if i can talk to them about it first like, like the rims are 10 feet the the courts whatever um it's basketball it's the same sport and yet the it is like you t- got yeah college it, basketball has the strongest home court advantage and the, the book there's i'm blank i apologize for blanking but uh a sports illustrated writer did a whole book on a bunch of this stuff and uh while i've not read the whole book i i did look into the college hoop stuff and if I'm quoting or paraphrasing it correctly, college basketball has the greatest home court advantage of any major American sport, and officiating is is influenced by home teams more in college basketball than any other major American sport. That's such an indictment of college basketball officials, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it, it, yeah. Yes. Like there's yes. data to suggest well, yes. you are influenced yes. by the fans. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Without it's bad. Any. It was bad. Last night wasn't bad. Just UCLA shot the lights out. Arizona's defense was a mess. Arizona did uh, have a heck of a comeback. I mean, they were down 10 with uh, under three minutes left. They were down 19 at one point in the second half. 
but it just they didn't bring it early in the game and uh Sean Miller said as much after the game and uh it came down to a crazy Bryce Alford three-pointer uh as it so often has over the last week and he knocked it down again. Uh he had 25 points, six assists and zero turnovers and the first comment on the thing I wrote on CBS Sports was UCLA'll never be good when Bryce Alford <laughs> as long as he's the catalyst and focal point of the team and i was like jesus the kid just dropped 25 six and zero assists and you're talking about how they're bad it's even even better because like in the context of the game um like i guess it was bill walton said you know after bryce took a uh, it it was a bad possession but that is the worst possession in the history of ucla basketball and then he comes back and hits the game winner if you notice i rarely make statements during a game Right. Because because I've just seen it like so it like bites you like you remember the J you remember when Jameis Winston won the national championship mm-hmm. dude like it was like the whole first half who were they playing Auburn like the whole first half it was oh see what happens when Florida State has to play a real team see what happens when you have to get out of the ACC oh it looks like Winston has been overrated all year long and then of course they storm back and win the <laughs> win the national championship I just sort of stay out of it man you start trying to make grand statements right in the middle of a game about mm-hmm. things that are happening on a court right now. Uh, odds are it's going to come back to get you in some way. Yeah, no, I was just cracking up as that happened. And I was like, man, like Sean Miller after the game even said like Bryce Alford, if he didn't play for his dad at UCLA would be like considered one of the best guards in the country. Like, I mean, I get that that's like a post game comment from a coach that, you know, just got wrecked by a kid, but like come on guys. Like, can we just eventually get to the point where we recognize Bryce Alford for what he is? Like he's a, an incredibly flawed, but also pretty good college basketball yeah. player. Yeah. He's a good college basketball player. He's the next Eric Devendorf, man. <laughs> I would let him, I would have, he's, him... he's a little, he's got some swag. He's white. He can shoot. He's a little arrogant and uh, he needs to jump on a scorer's table sometime soon. It's... The weird thing is like, <laughs> he's actually not that arrogant. Like if you talk to him off the floor, he like is actually really self-aware. Right, but without of, a like, doubt, with his is. demeanor, <laughs> you watch that strut. Oh yeah. You see that for strut? Sure. For sure. It's really hard being a good player for your dad. Like it's not hard being a, a walk-on for your dad and it's not hard being Doug McDermott for your dad. But when you are, right. are as you described in Sam, and I think that's a good description, a pretty good, I, I'd actually think, I actually think better than pretty good. I think he's a good, I think he's a good. He's genuinely good. He's genu- a, a genuinely good college basketball player who is also flawed playing for your father at a, at a, at a, you know, top shelf program. Like that is hard to do because people, um, your flaws are going to be exaggerated and folks are going to have a hard time appreciating you for what you actually are, which is a, a, a genuinely good college basketball player. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's funny that he gets as much, uh, crap as he does from, you know, people online, from, uh, people in the stands whenever he goes on the road. It's just like a weird phenomenon to me, but it's totally right. Like it's the coach's son phenomenon. And plus like, let's be honest, you know, that, that Steve Alford hire at UCLA wasn't exactly met with uh, total fanfare from the fan base either. Sure. And that definitely plays into it as well. I thought that should have died down by now. Let, 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 I don't I don't want to use revisionist history here. I I, I've written about this before. Yeah, it's, I wasn't a big fan of, of UCLA firing Ben Hallen to hire Steve Alford. Although I recognize the counter argument is those two things are should be separated. 
UCLA just had to move on from Ben Hallen for a variety of reasons. It's time for a change. And then you hire the best coach you can get. It's Steve Offord. So stop saying, I've, I've, I've had this conversation before. Don't say they fired Ben Hallen to get Steve Offord. They fired Ben Hallen because they wanted something new. And the best new thing they could get was Steve Offord. So I get that. But I wasn't a big fan of that in general. Um, but it's worked. Like, how, in what way has it, like, in what world could you say the Steve Offord hire hasn't, hasn't worked? It's working. They've gone to two Sweet Sixteens. Uh, this was supposed to be their down year, right? Like, if you look at it, like this was the year where they were supposed to kind of have like that little bridge until they get to their next set of guys. Um, and you know, they were ranked for a couple weeks earlier this year. Um, they probably will make the NCAA tournament again, just given the quality wins that they have. Um, it's a very weird phenomenon uh, that's happening. Plus, he's also got uh, like a bazillion good recruits coming in now. Like, I don't know why UCLA fans wouldn't be happy with the direction of this program. If, if only because uh, they fired a coach that went to three Final Fours and was coming off a Pac-12 championship. Like, maybe they're just not well, happy. Well, no, I, I honestly think it's because they want John Wooden every time they make a coaching hire. I want John like, Wooden, too. Like, yeah, and it's like a totally unfair standard. It's just totally absurd. No, it's, it's completely absurd. Like, But that's the that's the rap on UCLA fans. Like, I, I know coaches who were at least considered for that job. And mm -hmm. one of their comments was basically, they just fired a guy who won the Pac-12 and had yeah. a top five recruiting class. Like, what are you walking into there? So whatever. I, I think the offer thing has worked. It's worked better than most thought, and it's working well. I don't really understand the complaints. Let's move forward a little bit. Tomorrow, uh, North Carolina is at Syracuse, and Syracuse is trying to avoid a 0-4 uh, start in league play for the first time since, I believe, uh, 1997 and this comes after uh, Mike Hopkins has started you know he went four and five filling in for Jim Beheim. and I guess my question is this Norlander he's the coach in waiting he's going to be the next head coach at Syracuse and that's fine with me I'm a I'm a Mike Hopkins fan but these things don't usually work how often does the coach in waiting thing actually work oh um I don't know see how big is our is our pool that we can that we can select from here? By the way, San Diego State has a coach in waiting, um, Brian Dutcher. Uh, it's I think that Hopkins will can be the right guy to succeed. Uh, is that the right thing that program should do? They obviously do it to prevent uh, negative attacks on recruiting because as really really good coaches get older and closer to retirement. Um, rival programs can use uh, uncertainty with when that coach will leave against landing recruits. You don't know when he's going to be there, y yada, yada, yada. This uh, happens in football equally as it does in basketball. Um, there's something to be said for a, a fair, true process to hiring uh, a new coach when a when an old coach leaves. Um, but specifically, you know, with, you know Syracuse is a private school. It's going to do what it's going to do. Um, I guess what I would say is that, you know, listen, if you say Mike Hopkins is going to be the next head coach mm -hmm. at, at Syracuse, I'm fine with that. But, like, when you start going – when the follow-up question is, okay, and coaches in waiting have been uh, discussed this year because of the great guard situation at right. Wisconsin. They've declined to make him they a coach in waiting. They haven't set the world on fire. That's right. correct. But they declined to do that, and they were criticized by some, and I actually thought it made sense. Like, what, what's the harm? Like, let's let, let, let this thing play out if you want to. If you've got an opportunity to hire somebody you think's better than Greg Gard, why would you commit to Greg Gard? So, like, that may, But then you start to look at, okay, coaches in waiting, when do they work? Jimbo Fisher at Florida State, that worked. 
Brett Bielema at Wisconsin, you'd have to say that worked. Joker Phillips at Kentucky didn't work. Danny Hope at Purdue didn't work. Pat Knight didn't work. Sean Sutton didn't work. Kevin Ollie did work, even though he wasn't a true coach in waiting. He was basically a coach in waiting. Yeah, but yeah, they but that was sort of well why Calhoun pulled that move the way he did. Right, it. and you could even say we've talked about Ollie before. Um, it's worked to the extent that there were immediate returns, and you know, to right now it's it was it was the right call. I think ultimately, even if UConn went south in the next two seasons, with what Ollie did, I would say it still worked. You win a national title. And still maintain relevance and land some nice recruits. It no. worked. The only thing has worked under that, but I would, I guess, if I'm being technical here, he wasn't the coach in waiting. That was sort of the argument right. for Calhoun. He wasn't technically the, the coach in waiting, right? Right. Yeah. I just, I just, I, I find it interesting. Like everybody thinks, well, we have to have a coach in waiting. You hear that all the time from fans, from administrators. I, but when does it actually, how often does it really work? It, it definitely is not a proven way to go about it. Uh, and it's also something that doesn't, you know, it doesn't happen. You have to have a coach that's really good that's been there a long time that's get, that gets old and is going to retire. So it's not like something that, that pops up at every single program. I will say as far as the game, GP, uh, this is, you know, monumental to Syracuse's chances uh, in getting to the NCAA tournament because it is 10-6. and Beheim is coming back. They need this kind of win because it's on their home floor. Um, you know, they've got... A UConn win, a Texas A&M win, those are okay. They're going to need certainly more inventory uh, on the docket to help them. And they don't get home against Duke. they got to go to Duke. They have to go to Virginia. So Woo! their best home games against teams remaining are Carolina, Notre Dame, who is a little shaky, uh, Florida State, a little inconsistent, and then you know Pitt, who has not necessarily played an amazing schedule. So... This is by far Syracuse's best chance to get its best home win and you know most reasonable home win uh, that you could expect from them. Even though I, I would venture to guess that they're not even favored in the game, um, it's it's a pretty pivotal one uh, on Saturday and you know one of a of a handful of games overall. You know you've got um, Arizona's got to go to USC after losing at UCLA. Arizona should win that, but you know Pac-12 coaches know those those two day swings back to back on the road. Uh, can be just an absolute killer. So just be on the lookout for that. Um, Pittsburgh, Notre Dame. Pitt, let's just see if they can actually get a decent win. And if Notre Dame loses, they can have some serious issues there overall. Um, and then Maryland at Wisconsin. We, you know, we just discussed Wisconsin. Those games still mess me up. Like, I have this half second where I go, why is Maryland playing at Wisconsin? I know, I do. I still think Maryland's <laughs> an ACC team. I, it, it does take me a the second. Other, the other night on TV... Did you say uh, it? No, but it was in my head. Like um, Brent Stover, who is fabulous, he, you know, we were t- coming off of ACC highlights, and he said, "So, uh, Gary, you know, when you look at the ACC, you know, how do you see this thing shaking out the top?" And like Maryland popped into my head for like a half second, and then I started talking about, you know, Virginia and Duke and Carolina, whatever. But it was like Maryland still pops into my head. Yeah, I'm okay with the re- any other program. The, the rest, the rest of them, I, I, I've got it sorted out. But for whatever reason, Maryland is the one that still connects to the ACC for me. And now, I, I, even like I even think of Texas A&M as an SEC school yeah. now more than Big Twelve, which shouldn't be the case because uh, you know it's Texas A&M and in Texas that's so Big Twelvey. But yeah, I'm right there with you. Wisconsin, though nine and seven, it's probably not going to be a tournament team. But 
if it's able to win, and this is an interesting game with the subplot that Maryland is playing at Wis- uh, at Wisconsin. Diamond Stone is from Wisconsin. He ah. picked Maryland over Wisconsin. So just a, a small little subplot in that one that I find pretty interesting. Uh, and real quick, though. Hey, keep in mind, uh, like Mello Trimble didn't play in the second half the other night. Ha- hamstring strain now. I think he probably could have if the opponent right. was something other than Rutgers. But, yes, uh, expecting him to play. He'll play. Sure. He'll play. But, like, you know, keep an eye on that. I do want to give a quick shout. Um, we don't have to, you know, evaluate the game. But Valpo plays at Oakland here on Friday night. Oakland, unfortunately, um, the Horizon had the slimmest and slimmest and slimmest of chances to even be a two-big league. Oakland would have basically had to win every single game. Uh, that didn't happen. It lost to Youngtown State. But uh, Kay Felder, um, you know, is going at home against That's Valpo. It's just it's a pretty awesome mid-major game and it's on Oakland's home floor so Valpo might go down so it's just an intriguing random Friday night game in college hoops I wanted to give it a little bit of a a publicity bump there uh Sam Butler is hosting Villanova um and you know Butler's one and two right now in the league now some of that is I think a lot of that is schedule induced but we've had four teams in the top of the Big East sort of uh right around the top 15 in the country most of uh, the past month of course talking about uh Villanova Xavier Butler of Providence. Do you have a favorite out of that? Is it, despite all the Chris Dunn Providence attention and all the Xavier beating the hell out of everybody early, are we going to look up in March and go, you know what? It was Jay Wright's team again. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I think it's probably going to be Villanova. I know that that's kind of a boring answer given uh, the last few years, but I mean, they, they already have beaten Xavier by 30 points, and that was under weird circumstances, obviously, with the Edmund Sumner thing. Uh, but if they can go to Butler and win this game, I, I think that that's going to really uh, kind of set them up to kind of roll through the league a little bit, maybe win by like one or two games straight up. I mean, you're going to have a win over Xavier at that point, a road win over Butler. You're going to get Marquette at home at that point. And then you have those two games coming up with Georgetown and Seton Hall on the road. And I mean, if they can go through those by January 20th undefeated or with one loss even, I mean, that that's going to be tough to top them. I, I think that overall, Xavier is probably a more complete team. But given that like Villanova already has that game in pocket. Right. Um, I would probably pick Villanova to win the league at this point. Norlander, if Johnny Jones and LSU are able to win at Florida, mm. will you take them out of the CBI and move them in at least to the NIT? Uh, without a doubt. Listen, I did write, and I, I own it. It was true <laughs> at the time that I wrote it when they were just, you know, crapping all over themselves basically and, and before their most previous two wins which they were underdogs in both games and they were able to overcome and win uh congrats to lsu from going to seven and five to nine and five when they were seven and five they were not tracking toward an nit bid right now they absolutely they're right in the nit mix i'm telling you they're looking great <laughs> and i will say if they win at florida and get to ten and five while i have not um you know charted out the at-large bids at this point uh the 30 plus I would think they they would maybe just barely break through at that point. Uh, that might be enough if they can get another road win. If not, they're just shy of it, and then they've got two home games after that against Ole Miss and Arkansas, both winnable. But I will maintain this. Um, people can't have it both ways. You can't uh, be smarmy about LSU and Johnny Jones. Uh, he's either a terrible coach or this is a good team. It's, it's one or the other. So to pick which side you want to fall on there, uh, I do think this team has the talent and the ability to get to the NCAA tournament. I'm still vexed by it. I still think that it's going to be uh, coming up short. I'll say right now I still don't think they're going to make the tournament because I think they're going to lose games that they shouldn't. And at the end of the season, they're, they're – their resume will be up there with the likes of UCLA, who is building out just one of the all-time 
freaky ones at this. I like. I think UCLA is going to lose to Arizona State at home. I think it's, it's going to be I so don't weird. Think that. But I, can, can I just just wait until said, the like, wrath of Hurley arrives, Sam? Just wait until the wrath of Hurley. Arrives. Bob Hurley. Bob Hurley's going after that wrath of Hurley on uh, Sunday. Bob Hurley's yeah. going after officials on the court, and then subsequently going after him on Twitter. You saw that the other night. That's that was one of, that was one of the amazing tweets. <laughs> he is the best. Uh, college basketball is better to have Bobby Hurley. In. I agree with that. But let like, me, the let me just night, note yeah, something ahead. real quick that Norlander said. Why can't you said that you can't have it both ways? Johnny Jones is either a terrible coach or uh, like LSU is a good team. Like well, Johnny Jones actually did a really good job against Kentucky. Why can like um, are we allowed to acknowledge that that like he saying. actually completely. Like, I think that generally Johnny Jones is not a particularly high-end coach, but I think that we should at least be able to acknowledge that, like, he had a pretty good day against Kentucky. I mean, the defensive scheme that he set up to slow down Jamal Murray and Tyler Eulis and not allow them to kind of create shots for everyone else with those heavy blitzes and hard hedges on screens at the top, like, that was actually really good, and he actually deserves a lot of credit for that. Yes, and yes, and I have been critical of Johnny Jones he de- the stat that popped on the TV the other night. I was like, "Wow, I had no idea." Do you know what I'm referring to, either of you? I do the know. one that is that he has the most wins yes. uh, compared to any he has other the most four wins of any LSU coach history. through four seasons in the history of that program. And now Norlander wants to fire him. How do you feel? <laughs> do it. I'm doing some self introspection, real quick. I have to say, <laughs> I have to quote the Hurley thing. So Bobby Hurley gets thrown out of the game last weekend, right? And uh, <laughs> it was beautiful too, by the way. Like he went right at uh, that referee. John Higgins, it might right? have been John Higgins. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Like, he and went so right at him. <laughs> and so a couple of days ago, it's like at night. I'm hold on. Let me get the timestamp on this on this tweet. And yeah, thank God the Hurleys are in college basketball. By the way, don't think Danny Hurley can't upstage his own brother because he absolutely can. <laughs> there is zero doubt about it. Rhode Island doesn't doesn't play nearly as uh, as many national TV games. This comes at 11:03. <laughs> it's 11:03 on Tuesday night, and um, I don't know if John Higgins was working a game at that point. Or he whatever, was. He was goes, working. He was working LSU Kansas, Kentucky. Yeah. Was that? Oh, that's what it was. Or was so it? Goes, or was it Kansas Oklahoma? It was. What, I think it was Kansas Oklahoma. What night? What night of the week was this, Norland? Uh, it was on January 4th. We're on the 8th, so that was Monday night. Yeah, yeah. it was Kansas it was, Oklahoma. Yeah, so I think then, it was right after the self-technical. Yeah, you know what? I, yeah, that, No, 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 because it was late. I think it was uh, – no, actually, I don't like, know what it got, would have been. you got to remember, he's on Pacific, though. He's not uh, – but that doesn't matter as well. I don't it know. Anyway, he says, yeah. I'm, enjoying that Higgins that from work. I'm enjoying Higgins' work. I'm enjoying Higgins' work. Ben Higgins, ellipsis, the bachelor, of course. I'm picturing him like sipping wine, shooting out this tweet. <laughs> Just an absolutely stellar, stellar sub-tweet right there by Bobby Hurley. Um, but I absolutely love it. But back to LSU, I don't think they're going to get to the tournament. I just think they're they're going to be up and down all season. They're going to have some more bad losses. I would love to see him in the tournament. I would love to see more of Ben Simmons. But uh, anyone that wants to come after me, I'm I'm totally willing to uh, to take on the fight. Yeah. Hey, San Diego State fans, go get Norlander over this LSU thing. Leave me alone for a couple of days. Uh, hey, we promised we'd talk about it at the top, so let's do it real quickly, even though I know we're running long. And, yes, I know it's my fault. Sam, you wrote about Utah BYU canceling the series. Early, and let me be more specific, Utah canceling on BYU. Uh, what do you make of that story? What are you doing, Utah? I know. Like, it, I honestly believe that if that game was scheduled to be at the Huntsman Center next year, they would not have canceled that game. Like, I mean, it, it's just totally ridiculous to cancel that game over uh, what was 
an unfortunate situation, what have been unfortunate situations over the past few years. I mean, there was the Marshall Henderson incident uh, that ended up leading in part to Marshall Henderson going to Ole Miss, I'm sure, in some regard. Um, but, like, why can't you find a workaround like Xavier and Cincinnati did? Like, Xavier and Cincinnati went off campus to kind of try and, you know, get rid of all of the crazy amounts of, you know, just anger and, you know, vitriol thrown from fans. Um, they at least tried to find a workaround. I don't know why you can't try and find a workaround in this scenario that makes it, you know, more tenable to at least play this game that's been being played for over 100 years. Like, it's been played since 1909 with only one year off, and that was because of World War II. Literally, like there was a war that prevented the season insane. from happening. Yes. Yeah, yes. I'm with you. Like, listen, coaches can do whatever they want, but I don't understand why you would cancel a series that, uh, listen, I don't want to overstate it because I've seen people overstate it. Like, this is terrible for college basketball. It's not terrible for college basketball. Most people don't care. All right. Yeah. But, but it is, it's, it's not good for those two programs and those two fan bases. Like, that's a fun game. Uh, play the game. And, uh, yeah, I understand, like, you might be, uh, upset by how the last game went down, but, play the game and uh you know uh, i don't know i'm not a big fan is, of- is utah gonna have to pay a penalty to yeah oh, I, I'm certain. i hope so yeah, i'm certain but they, they, that's the other thing like i let me be clear i'm not certain i haven't looked into it but typically you got a contract signed there is it's just like a coach's contract yeah in the sense that you can get out of any contract but there's a price to pay for it i'm assuming that there will be a price to pay but they've decided assuming that there is a price to pay that they're willing to pay the price not to play the game so uh yeah. and you know a lot of times you can if you replace that road game with a home game, you can make all the money back and more. You know, you know, just by you know, hey, we're gonna we're gonna have an extra home game next season, even if it's an extra buy game. And so, whatever it costs us to get out of this BYU game, we'll just make it up by having a home game against, um, you know, a, a swag school. So, like, whatever. But yeah, I didn't. Uh, I think what Larry's been able to do there has been unbelievable, awesome. It's it's cool yeah. to have Utah back as a nationally relevant program, but. Uh, yeah, I'm not a big uh, not a big fan of that move. I'm headed to Carbondale, Illinois this weekend. <laughs> Anybody want to go? You You're go? gonna love it, dude. I've been there before, actually, when Chris Lowry was was the coach. It's only as weird as this sounds. I live in North Mississippi, um, and I'm going to Illinois. It's only about three hours. <laughs> it's not that far. Um, so I'm, uh, I think because I haven't been with the family all week, I think I'm going to, I told, uh, the wife, I said, Hey, I got to go out of town this weekend for a game, but I'm driving. It's easier to drive. I can fly to St. Louis and drive two hours or just drive three hours from my home. So I'm driving three hours. So I was like, Hey, if you, if you and the kids want to, want to roll with me, uh, you, you know, you should. And she said, yeah, yeah, we'll go for sure. Where are you going? And I was like, Car- Carbondale, Illinois. She was like, well, what's in Carbondale? And then we just sit there and looked at each other. There's really not much in Carbondale, is there? But there is a place on the way. I was uh, map questing it. Uh, Sykeston, Missouri. Sykeston, Missouri is on the way from Memphis to Carbondale. Do you know what Sykeston, Missouri is known for? Either of you? No shot. It is Could not even begin to guess. It is the home of Lambert's Cafe. You familiar with Lambert's Cafe? No shot. It's the home of the Throat Roll. Do you know about no this? shot. Okay, let me tell you the what happens. Throne roll. Let me tell you what happens here. Instead of the throne roll, the throat roll. It's the throat roll trademark. Here's what happens there. You 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 order whatever you want. Like you want, it's like old country, like down southern food, country, you know, like a chicken fried steak and mashed potato, whatever. So you order what you want, 
Then I got these people constantly coming around with like big buckets of just everything. Like, and they'll just walk over to the table. You want some black eyed peas? You know, you want some fried okra? And they just pour it on your plate. And then, the, and then every once in a while, this guy will come out with this big cart and he'll say, hot rolls. And then you go, uh, you hold your hand up and they just start throwing rolls all over the damn restaurant. <laughs> All right, like they throw rolls at people, like 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 from sixty feet away. You hold your hand up, they just throw a roll at you, and they're the best rolls in the world. But like you suddenly you find yourself sitting in an environment where um, people are throwing food all over the all over the room. It's kind of weird, right? That sounds like your kind of place. Nah, you know why? Because I don't like to touch food with my hands. I don't. I'm not. I don't. I don't like putting my hands. You on do it with pizza. I um. No, don't no. even go there. Okay, let, let me. You don't, you don't go fork and knife. I, I go fork and knife. If I occasionally go fork and knife on pizza. Now, now what I would say is that um, this this it's very much an OCD thing. And here's let me let me rephrase. I don't enjoy touching food at certain parts of the day. I can touch food okay. at late. I can touch food like at night, like <laughs> but I could never touch food in the morning. In other words, I can't. I I can't. I hear a baby. You hear my son. He was. He has been good, and he is. Uh, he's frankly. He's. He's tired of GP talking. I think <laughs> he can't. Um, I. I can't touch like an egg McMuffin in the morning. I can't eat an egg McMuffin because you have to touch it with your hands. But if you were to give me a slice of pizza at night, I could easily touch that with my hands. I don't know why. It's very. It's like a morning thing. I can't. Early in the day, I can't touch food with my hands. So at Lambert's, I the times we've typically been there, it's been like lunchtime, and I really struggle with it because I don't like to touch stuff with my hands, which means I don't like to catch food being thrown at me. Um, but at night, I'll be fine. So if we drive uh, a little later on tonight and we have dinner at Lambert's, I think I'll be okay. But still, the idea of just food, because like, it's not uncommon for somebody to just catch a roll in the ear. Like you, like you look- I, I need video of this. So seriously, send, send video. I'll get you video. And, uh, and, and send it to us in the, in the, in the group text. Hey, and- hey it's a pretty good, uh, pretty good game too, by the way. It's uh, Southern- no. This is legit. Wichita State has a real shot of losing here. A real shot of losing, mm-hmm. and Southern Illinois is not bad, and it could be like the first sellout there. I was told in a, in a few years, so you can watch it Saturday afternoon on the CBS Sports Network. And remember, you can subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast on iTunes. You should do that. It's the quickest way to get your hands on the latest episodes. And uh, so once you do that and listen. Uh, Get ready for what should be a, a fun weekend of college basketball, and we will talk to you again next week. Till then, take care.